thanks for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. This is David Perkins, and we're so glad that you're listening. Hey, if you're a part of our family meeting online or in person, we want to encourage you to get connected at Radiant Church KC across all social media platforms. God is doing something incredible in Kansas City, and we love connecting with you, whether it's through our app or even through all the content available on our YouTube page. Hey, our prayer is that God uses this message to change your life and that you could become a dynamic disciple of Jesus. Thanks for listening. Enjoy this message. Hey, uh, it's great to see all of you. Um, We're so glad that you're here if you're new to Radiant. Um, And we love what God's doing here. I just loved, uh, I love this worship team. Uh, You don't get to see what I see, but I get to see this group of dream teamers coming every week and uh, preparing, getting ready, and then giving it their best on a Sunday, writing songs. And so we just take that for granted. But guys, that's really special. Can you give it up for Katie Reed and her team? This is really amazing. So good. All right. Hey, and we're beginning small group semester. What's up, Sky and Dory on the second row? Looking good. Um, if, uh, if you're new to Radiant, we just spent uh, the season of 21 days of prayer in January. Now we'll begin our small group semester. And so this is the little window uh, where you start to pray about uh, which small group to be a part of. And we've got a lot of great groups that are coming up. And so um, I was reading through the catalog. It's online uh, on our website, but looking through some of them. Uh, Paul's got a Creative Connect. It's going to be going down. And so that's uh, for people that just love creativity, right? Just love websites and cameras and stuff. Mom and dad are on the front row. Uh, you're going to disciple people how to uh, on Monday nights. So this is a fun one. On Monday nights, while uh, teenagers are meeting, uh, there's one for parents that my parents are leading uh, to help parents make disciples of their children. And so that's uh, a double whammy. And so um, that's a great one to be a part of. And so uh, I think y'all did a great job with your kids. Just, you know what I'm saying? No, anyway. And so... Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of great small groups. Make sure to go check those out uh, because we'll begin that uh, next week. And you want to be prayed up and ready to go when we launch it next week. Hey, we're in this series uh, called Flourish. And here's the vision of the series. It's February, and we're taking this month to look at relationships. So last week, first Sunday of February, we took some time, and we just talked about the church relationships and the significance of the gathering of the saints specifically on a Sunday, which was really a fun Sunday, I thought, uh, fun for me. <laughs> not what you, not sure what you thought, but um, I loved it. And today we're going to go after marriages. I want to talk about the relationship within marriage, and I think it's significant. We're going to go after uh, being a disciple of Jesus, and kind of my idea is disciple plus disciple equals love. Um, and I want to talk about you being a disciple of Jesus. I think it's uh, helpful whether you're single or married. I think it's helpful um, if you're newly married or if you've been married a long time. And so our, our theme verse for the series comes out of Psalm 92. Let's just read it. It's where we have this idea of flourish because it talks about flourishing in the house of God, flourishing as the people of righteousness. It says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And so uh, that's our dream, that in this season, this month of February, all of us would be intentional about getting close to God. It's amazing how in your relationships, when you'll go vertical with God, you'll be surprised how often horizontally your relationships get stronger. A lot of people just want to work horizontal and leave out vertical. But (laughs) once you go vertical, it's amazing how the Lord gives you strength, ideas, um, and applying the word of God to go horizontal. So anyway, we're working on that. Um, here's the text for today, John chapter 15, as we work on marriages. Not your normal um, 
day before Valentine's, marriage text, but one of my faves. It says this, Jesus says to his disciple, upper room, he says, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Love each other, hinge word, as I have loved you. That's what I want to go after today. We'll work on it. Um, talk about love on the day before Valentine's Day. You ready? Let's pray. Father, we love you today. And God, I thank you for what you're doing in our church. I thank you for every single person in the room and online. I thank you for every married couple that's been married for a couple months to married for multiple decades. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us. We need your help. We live in a dark age and to be a light needs the power and the strength of God. And so would you come and would you illuminate the word of God? Would you help us to grow as disciples? We love you. We honor you. And all of Radiant said, amen. When Renata and I uh, got married in 2000, um, we both selected the rings that we would buy for one another. And uh, she didn't tell me she was going to do this, but she had engraved on the wedding ring, on the inside, she had it engraved this very verse. So this is a verse of Jesus speaking to his disciples. So it's not the normal wedding verse, but she put on there, my command is this, love one another as I have loved you. And I thought, I think it's significant. I think, I think theological Renata at 23 knew something that most of us just don't get. I think Renata had it kind of figured out. Like most people would put in a little song of songs. I was hoping for song of songs, maybe. You know, a little, a little maybe your arms are like rods of gold. Yeah, that'd be a lie. No, your legs are like pillars of marble. Um, left that out. Um, I mean, typically we might go Genesis, you know, maybe she would inscribe something from Adam and Eve or something like that. Um, I don't know what you put with Adam and Eve, but anyway, uh, but, but, but maybe the classical Ephesians five kind of text, that's probably what I would have done in my twenties, you know, only because I grew up going to so many weddings. I had heard my dad do probably 40 weddings by the time I was, when I could quote it, um, but Renata goes different. She goes, John 15, red letters, Jesus speaking to his disciples, upper room. And she puts on there inscribed. And, I, and my hope today is that a little Renata theology goes deeper in us. Because I actually think this is the perfect verse for us to grow in our marriages. And Jesus talks about active love right here. And I, I think that whole context... We can talk about specifics, but if you'll go specifically and apply some of these ideas of what, what the love of Christ looks like and apply it to your marriage, I think you'll grow. I think your marriage will flourish. I was thinking about just even that context of Jesus in the upper room, and, and there's, there's different components that we're going to see that he does that very night. I think we see Jesus being at least three things. The more I studied this, the more I think there's a whole lot more, but I'm just going to go top three. You see Jesus being a servant. So when Jesus says, here's what love looks like. Love looks like Jesus. And Jesus says, love one another as I have loved you. And he's giving to them, hey, it's going to be a difficult night. And I would look at you and say, hey, this journey in marriage, it's not always easy. In fact, a lot of times the best way to spell marriage is W-O-R-K, work, right? Because it takes work. Easy to fall in love, right? Took Renata and I about three days. Three days? I don't know. Took me three days. I think it took her longer. But anyway, <laughs> she, she gave me a look like three days. No, a little longer? A week? Three weeks? Anyway, shorter than but, but But to actually stay in love, to keep, it, it takes intentionality. It takes making marriage a priority. 
So I see Jesus being a servant. This is the, this is the, the, um, the night where we see Jesus, John 13, where he's the servant. This is the moment where he's the servant of all. He takes the towel and he serves the disciples. In addition to this, this is the night that we see John 17. This is the high priestly prayer. And in the high priestly prayer, Jesus prays for his disciples. So he not only serves his disciples, he prays for his disciples. And then I'm going to go one more. This is the night where Peter denies him. This is the night where Peter cuts off the ear. And there's this great moment where Jesus looks at Peter and Luke gives us in Luke 22 that Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. And this is a night that Jesus again forgives. And we know that. We know that Jesus, he's perfect. Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them. Jesus in John 21, he looks at Peter and he, he, he doesn't reject Peter. He reinstates Peter. And, and so I, I want to go after three components today. Just dig in on Christ-likeness. If you'll go after this is my command. If you'll get this, love one another as I have loved you. That's where I'm going. Because I think that the definition of love can be, can be confusing right now. Like when Renata and I go on a date night, depending on the voice we're listening to, we could get massively different ideas other than Christ's likeness on what love looks like. We could go and we could be driving in the car and listening to Renata, old school, used to like country. Now, not so much, but a little bit. Not so, country, nope. Can I say that? Didn't say that. All right. So, but, but you listen to country. Old days, like 90s when we were dating, you listen to country. And it's, I mean, if we were taking our cues from 90s country, my life would be rough, right? It'd be pretty miserable, right? Like I hated that song. Any man of mine, mm, better walk the line. I hated that song. I was like legalism, intense, hard. I hate that song, right? She liked it. No, I don't know. Anyway, mm, right? Or if we're, if, if we're watching movies and we're developing 2022 on a date night, you know, something from Netflix or something from Disney Plus or something from some streaming, and you're, and you're taking your cue on what love looks like from movies, 90s would have been little Jack and Rose dying on the Titanic. Uh, that would have been rough. Rose lives, Jack dies. It's always bad for the guy. Uh, my, my point is, is that culture's always trying to give you cues of what love looks like. Who are you going to take your cue from? And Jesus says, here, take your cue from me. This is what love looks like. And we see in Christ what love looks like. Typically in this text, we say, okay, I love one another as I've loved you. This is the disciples' relationship, and this is how. But I, I want to encourage you to go, in addition to that, this is the beautiful idea. Biblical theological sermon preaching Renata inscribed before there was Lord of the Rings inscribing in 2002. In 2000, Renata was putting it on rings. And I, she knew she'd married a hobbit. Oh, the jokes just keep going. I mean, I just, <laughs> no, I'm so sorry. That's spontaneous. I didn't mean that. That's funny. Um, I don't care who you are. That's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, now I'm all messed up. This is going to be a long day. So let's go after these three ideas. Let's go after love looks like Jesus and love looks like serving. And I, when, I, when I read this in John 13, I see, I see, you know, the, you know the moment where Jesus serves and washes the feet and then Peter says, no, 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 not me. And Jesus corrects him. Here's, here's one of the components of that. Peter is looking at Jesus serving him 
and it's to a level that he's not comfortable with. Jesus serves excessively. And in Matthew 16, Peter had said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus looks back at Peter and goes, hey, now you got it. Good job. This was not revealed to you by a man, but by my father in heaven. Well done. So Peter knows he's presenting, I mean, the son of God washing my feet, which was the lowest role of a servant. This is too much. This is, no, this is, this is too much. And, and, and Jesus goes, no, Peter, this is, this is, this is who I am. I am, the, I am the suffering servant. He's on his way to the cross, but he's the servant. And I want to encourage you that in marriage, the level of serving that we have the opportunity to do often feels like, no, 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 that's too much. No, 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 no. I, really? And, and, and yet, when our marriages are our opportunity to show sacrificial serving to the world where we love like Christ to someone else in a covenant, not a contract. We're showing to the world, I am going to serve in an excessive way that seems crazy to everybody else. But this is what my savior and my master and my Messiah did. And I'm taking my cue from him, not from culture. Culture will say, that's too much. Fight for you, baby. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Don't be, hold on. And, and I want to invite you to look at what does, not what a preacher says, not a blogger, not a YouTuber, your relationship with Jesus and you not getting mad at a preacher for overstating something, not getting mad at somebody that wrote a book, but you having this vertical relationship with Jesus where you look at your specific circumstance and your spouse and you say, what does love look like serving like Christ in this marriage? What does it look like? How do I serve what does it look like? And I think one of the best ways you can do it is I think of it for me in this daily, how can I serve? What would it look like? Gary Chapman wrote a great book called The Five Love Languages. And in it, he breaks down five different ways that people like to be loved. So if you take the idea that you form your habits and then your habits form you, if you form a habit where every day you're gonna try to intentionally take a marriage step, I'm gonna intentionally try to give, and he gives acts of service. That's... <laughs> That's not a strength of mine, right? My, my strength is words of affirmation. I like to look at Renata and just be like, baby, you the best, you the best. I like words. That's just how I operate. She likes, hey, baby, if you love me, like pick up a shovel and do something, you know, right? That's just, that's just the way it's evolved over 20 years, right? Like, I'm just saying, but, but if I can go through and go, all right, is it, what, what can I do? Sometimes words of affirmation can be a text. Sometimes a gift, gifts, what, what gift can I give? Um, what can I do in the area? I mean, some people, it's physical touch, that's the easy one. You know, that's the best one. What's I mean, but, but going through and saying, how could I take a step where it is going to cost me something today? It's going to cost me some time or it's going to cost me some money. It's going to cost me something that I can't do in order to say yes to that. But in so doing, you're keeping your marriage, which is, you go, number one is Jesus. Number two is I'm going to serve my spouse like Christ. So I'm going to make it a priority. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to look for a way to serve. And when Renata and I um, had first gotten married, uh, and we we're on staff in Colorado, and there was this marriage panel, and they asked 
uh, it was three different ladies, and they asked, uh, one been married 10 years, one been married 30 years, one 50 years, and they asked them, what's your best wisdom for marriage? And the 10-year-old Renata does not remember what the lady who'd been married for 10 years, she doesn't remember her advice. 30 years, Renata doesn't even remember her advice. But the, the lady who'd been married for 50 years, she said, the number one piece of advice I would give to anybody who is married is Philippians 2. And she read this verse, and I want to give it to you. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is marriage serving at its core. All right? Every day. How can I make an investment? How can I serve? What does it look like to actually put you higher than myself? Here's the temptation. Listen. It is about time we do my thing because we've been doing your thing a lot, and let's try to get this thing equal. Here's where you wanna go. It's out of relationship with God. It's not weighing the options. It's, it's both, when both people are trying diligently to be a disciple of Christ, and you're both trying to outserve the other one, then the one who likes Mexican food versus the one that likes seafood the one who likes seafood is always saying, let's go Mexican again, baby, right? You're trying, instead of saying, I'm just theoretically, I made that illustration up. <laughs> mm, mm. So one of us likes tortillas and chips. One of us likes shrimp. Anyway, but, but the temptation is to go, hey, it's my turn. It's my turn. We go my way. Hey, you, last time. But here's what love does. Love serves. So love goes, it's actually my aim. Yeah, I like, I like some seafood, but I like you. I'm good. I'm, how can I go low? How can I make this your best day? How can I serve you? Humility's tough, but humility grows in marriage, and the marriage gets stronger. You start to go, my aim is to be the servant of all instead of just, I'm, I'm going to keep this thing equal, baby. And, and if, you'll choose, if you'll look at it like today, like where you go on a daily level, how could I apply this today and make them the highest, the one that you are going to serve, you're going to look to? All of us know, we all, we all have moments where we know how someone we would treat higher, how they would be elevated, right? Like you, all of us have been in a room, in an environment where we, where we pay attention to somebody else's needs. If you've ever been in a room with somebody who's important or famous, you tend to say, okay, I'm going to lower myself because you're a big deal. Uh, <laughs> don't judge me for this, but uh, my church in Colorado, when Mel Gibson was promoting his movie, I know, everybody just got thought of something, all right? And he showed up in the middle of the week at our church building, promoting his movie and the passion and I just watched all of us on staff in the room with Mel Gibson and all of it, you don't, nobody wonders who is like the most important person in the room, right? I mean, people are just like, hey, can I, can I get you something? Like, and everybody just, you know, like, let's open the door. I mean, let's have a little green room for him. Who's going to talk to him? I mean, the senior pastor was like, I mean, it was just like, oh, I mean, we were focused, you know who is the most important person in the room. When you get to where you're choosing, my spouse is the most important person in the room. I'm going to cherish them. I'm going to honor them. I'm going to serve them. So that doesn't mean like, be quiet. Let me tell the story. That doesn't mean like, okay, fight. No, it's constantly this attempt. How can I serve? 
uh, when I was in junior high, uh, I had a buddy whose dad just had a Mercedes. And I would go over to my buddy's house and every Saturday I just watched, I watched my buddy's dad just care for that Mercedes. I mean, wash it. He took, he took pieces out, wash it. It was like amazing. And I just remember thinking as an eighth grader, it was the opposite of how my family treated cars. Like we had Cheerios, we had peanut butter and jelly stuck between it. And my parents just didn't care. We just like, that's how we roll. You know, like that's just who he is. Just, mm. we just have, we have dirty cars and clean hearts, but let's go. You know, like, mm. I don't know what your culture in your family is, but my, I was scared to have my friends get into my car. Um, and it wasn't until I got married where I realized how strange that is. Um, but I just remember thinking it was, it was wild the way it was just like, I was, in, I was blown away about a two or three hour wash the Mercedes process. Here's the dream that others would see you cherish your spouse and go, what is with you? You cherish that person like that guy cherished the Mercedes, you know, like you're just intense. It's it's, it's wow. It's you're, you're serving and it seems excessive. Come on, David, come on. And I'm telling you, Jesus served to a level where even Peter goes, no way. This is too much too much. But you go there. And it's not just the latest YouTuber or the latest. And you'll, it, it's challenging when you just go, I, Renat and I, we love investing in our marriage. So we love books and podcasts and we love all that. But it can be confusing if you're trying to apply everybody's strategies. And I'm just telling you the one of the best strategies is Jesus himself. I'm just telling you, you go disciple. I'm going to be a disciple of Christ. You'll be surprised how many times you hit the ball out of the park. You just, you start there. So Jesus is, he embodies servanthood. He embodies it. When you go to um, a wedding, you know who the most important person at the wedding is. It's the bride, right? Like one of my friends in college. Now, I'm not gonna tell that story. That's spontaneous. I'm not gonna tell that story. Um, <laughs> uh, but that Mercedes was spontaneous. That's very good. Uh, sorry, I always look at my mentor right there. How am I doing up here? Young, what's up? What's up? Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, if you go to a wedding, we'll go back to that. If you go to a wedding and 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 somebody is trying to steal attention from the bride, that person annoys you, right? Like. Like you didn't stand up for them. If they want you to stand up for them, you're like, what is wrong with you? It's for her. The focus is on her. So just sit down and shut up, right? Like just let the attention be on the right person. Just you're irritating me. What? I mean, if, if, if before the bride walks up and everybody's seated, some dude stands up and is like, what's up, everybody? I mean, you have like, bro, what is wrong with you? This is her moment. In your marriage, it's like every day you're looking at her or your spouse and going, it's their moment. You're saying, you're the most important person in the room. This, every day, I'm, I'm working towards it. And I'm going to fight to go low. I'm going to fight to serve. I'm going to fight to, I'm going to cherish you to such a level. I'm going to serve you to such a level that other people go, wow, 
Okay. All right. Because, and that, by the way, that's what shows the world. That, when Jesus talks, I'm going to Ephesians 5. When, I just can't help it. But, but when, we, when, we, when we get that, when you get a marriage that is serving to an extravagant level that looks like I'll go to any level to love you, serve you, take care of you, cherish you, put your needs above my needs, put you, uh, lift you up no matter the cost. You, I promise you, you have people around you going, wow, what is with that? It's, it's supernatural. And it shows the world Christ. It shows the world what God is like. And so I want to invite you just to dream about how. how. One of the things for Renat and I is to learn, even at the end of the day, which, how to love each other, how to, how, how to, how to ask questions. For me, it's, uh, she loves it when I ask her questions. Like, how was your day? So good question. How was your day? What's going on in your heart? I don't like questions. I just, I just like affirmations. I, <laughs> I just like it when she looks at me and she says, you awesome. That's good. We done. You know, like you, then you give me why, like five bullets. Here's why you're so great. You know, like, I don't, don't ask me a question. I, by the end of the day, I have nothing left, you know, to say. Like, we're different. But learning those things and just affirming, asking questions, showing value, showing interest. And here's the thing in Philippians 2 that's real practical. Paul says... Not looking to the interest of just yourself, but looking to the interest of others. You take that and go, not just I'm interested in you, but where you actually go, what is your interest? And I'm going to care about the interest of my spouse. Renata and I recently had a scenario where I was, um, one dynamic with one of her friends, I just, in her relationships, I wasn't, I wasn't connecting. And, and once I was able to connect with that burden, that dynamic, and I was able to just care about the interest that she had in that, it opened up um, vulnerability. It opened up relationship. She felt massively loved when I loved what she loves, right? So if you'll not just love them, but you'll love what they love. So this is the interest of your spouse. So I'm going to be intentional. And I, David, I tend to just be interested in what I'm interested in, right? Like, and, and, and that's where it ends. But what love does is love says, I'm going to care about the interest of others. And it goes to that next level. And so I'm going to care about the interests. So even beyond the humor, beyond the jokes, you're actually investing in trying to love what they love and serve them. Number one, number one is this, Jesus is the servant. Love looks like Jesus serving. He takes the towel and he serves. And on that night, he says to them, hey, love one another as I have loved you. And if you look at the other disciple you're doing life with, your spouse, and you say, I'm gonna love, I'm gonna intentionally love and serve, uh, you'll watch your marriage start to flourish even more. Second idea is this. Jesus then, John 17, he goes and he prays specifically for them. He prays, and when you, read, when you read that whole chapter, he takes a moment and he prays for his disciples. And here's, in addition to just praying, um, kind of just in your own devotional life, one way to grow your marriage is to start to pray specifically for your spouse. And not just a check the box prayer, but if you do that first one, where you do the Philippians 2, interest of others, 
and you'll actually start to pray for the interest or the cares or the burdens or carry the burden of your spouse, a few things happen. One, you're connected to the Lord because you're caring about what they care about and your, your vertical relationship gets stronger. Two, your, your relationship with your spouse grows because you're carrying what's on their heart to God for them. You're laboring in the spiritual realm on behalf of your spouse. And three, there's actually a measurable difference when we pray. So when you see God move, you celebrate God at work, you celebrate the journey together and you see God at work. So the interest of others, the interest of your spouse, you actually can take that to prayer. What I found in this scenario with Renata is when I began to just pray for the burden, I went a long time where I didn't even carry the burden because I didn't know the burden because I didn't ask enough questions. But once I asked enough questions, I had the knowledge of the burden. But then the next step was to carry it in prayer. And then there was a whole nother level of closeness between she and I, because I'm carrying that burden alongside her. And much of the time, we not only don't take time to pray, we don't take time specifically to care. But if you'll take that step, have dialogue, have conversation with your spouse. Take their burdens in prayer to God. Um, I think of it this way. Uh, you know that story of David killing Goliath? All of us just think about David kills his giants. And there's many sermons about that idea. But here's an intriguing point about that. David, the shepherd boy, is asked by Jesse to go, his dad, to go take bread and cheese to his brothers who are out in the battle. It's their battle. They're fighting the Philistines. The lead Philistine is Goliath. So David goes and he goes, steps onto the scene and he identifies there's a battle going on. And David looks at that battle and David then says, hey, how dare this guy defy the armies of the living God? Who's going to go fight this man? Okay, no. And then David ends up going to Saul and David ends up then running on the battlefield. And when you look at the storyline, it's Saul's, Saul the king. It's the, it's, you've got the soldiers, his brothers. That, it's the battle that they're in. And then David says, I'm, I'm voluntarily stepping into that battle. My role is I'm actually a, I'm actually a shepherd. I'm actually helping my dad with the sheep but I'm gonna, I'm gonna step into their battle. I'm gonna fight that Goliath. So for me, if I step in and I fight Goliaths, Renata's Goliaths, I step in and I go, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go to battle with you. It's one of the greatest ways to love like Jesus, to step in, go, I'm gonna fight. Are you with me? Does that make sense to you? Are you tracking with me? And, and they're, they're, your spouse, when your spouse is going through so many battles. It's easy to just go, you live your life, I'll live mine. You live in that compartment, I'll live in this compartment. We'll connect here and here, we'll have these conversations. But man, when you put your heart into, I'm gonna labor in the spiritual realm for the battles that you're fighting. So this is how I fight my battles, and this is how I help you fight your battles. Because your battle becomes my battle. So Renata's battle, it's not just hers, right? Sorry. It's, man, you, you get to that place where you, you, you can literally go from just so consumed with my own life that I don't even pick up on it to like, uh, man, dialogue, I'm going to serve. I'm going to have much of serving looks like that intentional 
conversations, time, investing it. Then go prayer, engage with them in prayer. And then the last one that I just see Jesus doing that very night is Jesus forgives. And I, I know we could go, we could, go, we could pull out probably seven different characteristics that we see Jesus living out on this night, obviously. But I think in marriage, one of the most critical ones is instead of holding this um, accounts, like, <laughs> like you've wronged me this many times, and so I'm keeping track. Love keeps no record of wrongs. And you look and you say, it's my choice to forgive like Jesus. And I was just thinking about that night as Jesus looks at his disciples and he locks eyes with them and he says, all right, um, you wanna know what love looks like? Love looks like me. So take your cue from me. Love like I love. I'm the servant. I'm the intercessor. And I'm the forgiver. And Jesus repeatedly forgives. Think about that night when, when Peter has already just chopped off the ear right, of that guy, Malchus. I don't know what that interaction was like, but just a little bit later when Peter denies Jesus. And after the third one, Luke in his gospel tells us, 22, chapter 22, verse 61, that he actually turns and Jesus turns and looks straight at Peter. And we know because we know that Jesus is perfect. We know that in John 21, Jesus ends up in a conversation with Peter and reinstates him. He doesn't kick him out. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, you still got that calling. You're still gonna do what I've called you to do. I'm not done with you. That Jesus is constantly forgiving. So I picture this moment. The text says in Luke 22 that, you, that Peter goes out and he weeps bitterly. And I think Peter's so sad that he denied Christ. And yet here's Jesus, who to the end, he serves me. He served him. He's prayed for him. And now Peter's denying him three times. And Jesus is excessively, repeatedly forgives. In our marriages, a part of the Christian ethic in marriage is that we look back and we forgive over and over and over again. I think you and I live in an age where we're so told by so many people to fight for self that we come up with reasons why my situation is too complicated and the principles that we hear Jesus speaking, the words that he says, I have a license to say it doesn't apply to me. And in my journey, as I've sat with people and listened to them talk, there is within our culture an attempt to try to make the words of Jesus irrelevant. Young Christian, middle-aged Christian, older Christian, let me invite you to this. The word of God stands. And if you will bend your life around Christ and you have two people in a marriage not using 
any kind of loophole to say my scenario is too complicated for Christ-likeness to be the answer. Instead say, Jesus loved to the end. So, surf. So, I pray. So, I'm intentional in the way that I forgive over and over again. And culture's gonna tell you differently. Culture can tell you, stop forgiving. Culture can tell you, it's excessive. You've gone too far. Um, but I think that if you'll look at these moments where you want to quit and ask, and you'll go vertical. Part of our problem is we live in the information age and people have so much information on the internet and so many books and so many podcasts and so many experts and so many self-proclaimed experts on YouTube, iTunes, and books that they, somebody wrote that everybody lives in a, a way to develop their argument because whatever you want, you can find somebody to validate. You can find some expert to say they're an expert to validate it. But if you'll go vertical and you'll come back to this, okay, Jesus is the one that I'm talking to, the one that I'm looking at in the scriptures, and what does Jesus say in my marriage how does Jesus want me to serve? How does Jesus want me to pray? And how does Jesus want me to forgive? What you'll find is, you'll find over and over again that two disciples, if you and your spouse, if you're sitting up in that upper room and you, if, if you're there and you're saying, we want to bend our life around Christ, your chances of making it are high. You with me? If you try to go, I'm going to develop the, the, the reason why my scenario, my circumstance, the way you wronged me, what happened to me, why my story enables me to walk away from the words of Jesus, I'm telling you, it's death. It's destruction. And yes, your scenario is hard. Yes. It's work. It's, it's challenging. I asked Renata, what would you think if I called Sunday Sermon on Marriage Marriage and Suffering? You're the way to the cross. And she said, let's try to go be a little more upbeat than that. But let me tell you something. Whew. When, when, when you're, the things that I'm talking about are constantly putting someone higher than self. And that is the opposite of the culture that I live in and drive around in 435, up and down Antioch, Metcalf. That's the opposite of the culture I hear every day. And I am invaded with a culture that says, fight for me, put myself first. And I'm just inviting you. There is a better way. That Christ first. And it, it's supernatural to have for a marriage to personify and look like showing the world what Jesus looks like, it's supernatural. Just to give you a little wisdom on closing here, we're not on the original rings. We don't have rings anymore because we were so poor that we bought rings that broke within 10 years. So anyway, uh, but on the original ring, it had three diamonds. And theological Renata back then said, hey, these three diamonds, I mean, real little diamonds. <laughs> this, is, this is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But this is... I want us, she, she says this at our wedding. She goes, I want this to be you, me, and God. 
This is, this is the three. This is God at work. It's going to take that. You can make a decision to stay together, but that's different than a supernatural marriage that shows the love of God to the world. You can do something different than enduring the years. You can do, I'm going to lay my life down the way Christ loved the church. Show the world. Good news. Marriage is possible. You don't have to quit. I know it's a journey. I know face these challenges. But if you'll go vertical, if you'll be close in the midst of your complicated marriage, your challenging situation, and I promise you, you can find people in your life and online that will validate any kind of way to put self over God, self over spouse. I'm inviting you not to take my words. You just study the words of Jesus, your Savior, your Lord, and you say, Jesus, what do you lead me to? What does it look like? If love looks like Christ, what did he do? If love looks like Christ, lots of complexities. Everybody's got a different situation. I get it. But I'm just telling you most of the time, we are just living in a narcissistic age. And there is life and possibility if you'll give yourself to Christ on this. I invite you, will you just stand with me? If you're married, will you take the hand of your spouse? Renata, do you mind joining me? I'm gonna take just a moment. We wanna pray over the marriages in the house today. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray, Lord God, for your strength. I pray, Lord God, that you'd be at work. We pray that we would bend our lives around Christ. I pray, Jesus, help us. We need you. Help us to serve. Help us to pray. Help us to forgive. Help us to love. I ask, Lord Jesus, that the the three in each marriage, the husband, the wife, God himself at work, helping them live a supernatural life would radiate the life of Jesus to our world. Lord, we just ask for your renewed strength in our marriages today, Lord God. God, the strength that we don't have on our own, Lord God, I ask for you to strengthen us with might and power in our inner beings. God, I ask for fresh energy for every wife and every husband here today and online, Lord Jesus. God, we just ask that you would renew us, God. You're the one with the strength, Lord, to um, give us vision, Lord, for what you want our marriages to look like, for ways to serve. God, I ask even now, Lord, that you would give each one of us just an idea for a step that we could take to love our spouse. God, I ask that you would help us to see, even even if the situation seems really complicated right now, Lord, and we don't don't even know what to do, Lord, I ask, God, that you would just give us your heart and your idea, God, into a step that we could take to love our spouse, Lord Jesus. 
And God, I ask, Lord, just for, um, God, for your hand and your life and your vision, Lord, to surround us today. God, even as we're looking forward to Valentine's Day tomorrow, God, I just ask, Lord, that our marriages would be renewed this year. Lord, I ask that we would end this year with stronger marriages than we have right now, whether that's going from bad to good or good to great. Lord Jesus, we just ask that that your hand would be in each one of our marriages and that we would fight for them. God, help us to have your fight. God, the way that you care about it, we ask that we would, in Jesus' name. And go ahead and just keep your heads bowed. And I just want to give you an opportunity today. You may be online or in the room and, um, and you're in a place where you just want to surrender your life to Christ and begin your journey of faith. If that's you today, we just pray this prayer. This is your first step in following Jesus. Just say, I come to you in the name of Jesus and I ask for life. Father, I turn from my way and I want to go yours. Save me. Do a fresh work in my life. I pray that you would open up the opportunity for me to be with you forever. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that Jesus died in my place for my sin, that I might have life. I receive that gift today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to let us know that. We want to help you go on the journey of faith. And uh, a couple things. We'd love to send you an email. We've got a small group created just for you on Sunday nights. We'd love to connect you to that.